The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a Monday edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Giants face the Kansas City Chiefs tonight. The trade deadline is coming up on Tuesday. We're sort of uh, almost at the halfway point of the season. There is technically no halfway point now with a 17-game season, but but this is as close as uh, pretty much as close as we're going to get after the Monday night game. So lots of things to talk about with your New York Giants today. Here to help me uh, break it all down is David Turner of Maverick Sports Consulting, former NFL scout, CFL executive who worked with Dave Gettleman in the pro personnel department for the Giants for a couple of years back in uh, 2003, 2004. David, hey, thank you very, very much for for getting up early today and for uh, hopping on the show. Good morning. I am very happy to be here. I love talking Giants ball and Giants fans are always the best. You know, I got introduced to them, like you said, back in 0304, and I've just loved them ever since. So when I reached out to you at first to, to come on this show, we talked uh, mostly about talking about the trade deadline. So so let's start there. As we record this, it's Monday morning. Trade deadline is Tuesday, four o'clock Eastern time. Lots of speculation about what the Giants might do. Joe Judge had people thinking that, well, maybe the Giants will actually be buyers with a comment that he made a couple of weeks ago. And what Joe said was that anything that they do, you know, will be with the long-term future of the Giants in mind, not necessarily about the 2021 season. And that made people think about Leonard Williams. But the way that I look at it, David, I can't imagine the Giants doing anything here at the trade deadline other than possibly selling off a piece or two you know, for a draft pick and maybe for some cap relief. Uh, you agree with me there? I do, but I think, it, um, you know, with them having the Monday night game, the most telling thing will be if there's a healthy scratch tonight. 
if the, if there's a healthy scratch tonight, that that to me is like that's the person getting traded tomorrow. Yeah, and the obvious one would obviously be tight end Evan Ingram, and he's a guy that Giants fans have been done with Evan Ingram for a while. You know that that was pretty obvious in Week Three against Atlanta when Ingram, you know, came back from his calf injury, lost a fumble got cheered when he was leaving the game, got booed when he was coming back onto the field. And I honestly think that Evan Ingram could use a change of scenery. Evan Ingram could maybe succeed, you know, more than he would with the Giants. Maybe it would be good for Ingram to go somewhere else. But I'm I'm not convinced at this point, although there's a lot of speculation, I'm not convinced that the Giants are going to move on from from Evan Ingram. What's your what's your uh, your your gut feeling on that? Well, anybody who watches me or listens to me talk about Giants football, no, I'm done with Ingram. I've been done with him for a while. I think he's just a crybaby, crybaby sissy. So you know, I'm not I'm not an Ingram fan at all. I think getting rid of Ingram would make a lot of sense to me. Um, it helps cap wise. You have Kyle Rudolph, who's undervalued and underutilized at this point. Um, I think, Kyle, you went and spent money on him. And this season, I mean, he's 99% catch rate on his targets, and you're not targeting him that much. Now, that's a thin position. So if you get rid of Ingram, you have to have somebody you're going to bring up from practice or sign off someone else's practice because they only have a, a few tight ends. So, that's something that they need to do. And also the health of the receivers will dictate if Ingram is going or staying, because if you're, if you don't have the weapons for this offense, healthy Ingram is somebody that they have to keep around for that. And that would save him from moving on. I agree with you though. I think Ingram would prosper with a move to a different team. I think um, getting into maybe a smaller market, maybe a West coast market, would be good for Ingram. Um, that's just my feeling. And later on, I have a, a trade scenario. I, I'll love to bounce off you on that one. On Ingram? Well, it involves Ingram and someone else together. It's a combo deal. So I'm going to let you talk, ask a couple questions, and I'll hit it with you in a little bit. Ah, uh, you're going to leave us in suspense. I get it. All right. So, you know, there's there's two other players that I think about at this point. Jabril Peppers would have been one. You know, but he's now on IR for the rest of the season, and and in a weird way, I think that him landing on IR for the rest of the year as a free agent to be, in a weird way, that might actually increase the chance that he's back with the Giants next year because there isn't going to be a market for Jabril Peppers now. He's he's probably going to be one of those guys who who's hanging around at the end of the summer, at the beginning of training camp, hanging around looking for a job. I mean, w- when I think about it, I mean, am, am I right that that could possibly actually increase the chance that Peppers is back, you know, maybe on a one-year deal? I don't think that, again, the way that they're, they were using Peppers was incorrect. It's totally wrong. I don't like the way they were using them at all. And other teams were able to identify Peppers in coverage and and actually, you know, get after him a little bit, target him, I should say. So, and he's not the best coverage guy in the world. I don't think he it currently their current system and when they're playing defense, he fits their system. Last year they played him a little different. Seemed like they let him come, blitz, get in the box, use his athleticism a little bit more. 
this year it it was not the right role for him. So they really, to me, they really would have to make a vested effort to make sure that they're using him appropriately and his role is correct versus, um, you know, the way they were using him this year. I know the linebackers being injured kind of limited how they could play him because they need to ask him to do more, but they just don't have the right role for him. I wouldn't invest a lot of money in him if I were them. If I was another team, yeah, there's some teams I think he fits their systems a lot better, a lot more fluidity in what he could do would, you know, boost their uh, their defenses. But again, he's going to have to go on a discount because he's he's injured. So, you know, no one's going to pay full price right now for for him. Right. There are really two other players that that I think I think about and whose names I hear and see once in a while. One is James Bradbury, and to me, if the Giants are going to trade Bradbury, he's the one who probably brings the best return. He's the one who might bring, you know, and I'm I'm shooting from the hip here. He's the one who might bring a third-round pick maybe, um, and he he makes sense because of the cap relief. But again, he's a really good player, and, and you hate to be in the business of, of removing really good players from your roster. Just your thoughts on, on whether Bradbury's a guy that, that you think the giants might move. Well, if you see a Bradbury move, then this is a team that's not just building for next year. It's two years out. And the reason I say that is because corners are very, 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 very hard to find. People want to just undervalue corners, but unless you're covering guys, your pass rush is never going to get to, they're never going to get to an NFL quarterback. You really need cover guys to give your guy, your rush, your front seven, your blitz packages, everything, um, the ability to work up front. And Bradbury, you know, he's, he's not having a stellar year this year. I'm not going to sit here and defend him. I think he's having a good year and he is one of the top 15 corners in the NFL. And understand there's 32 teams and he's one of the top 15. So if you see a Bradbury go, then that's a that's not only building for next year, it's building for two years out because they already have to fix the offensive line. The front, they're gonna have to get new linebackers or you know, add to the linebackers they currently have, especially in the middle. And now if you go and make a whole like left corner or your predominant corner, your cover guy with Bradbury, even though it makes sense on cap and it makes sense on uh, other levels, like you said, the business side of it, that that to me isn't building for next year. It's building for two years out because you really have to fix your offensive line and you really have to do something at, you know, other spots and to create a, a huge chasm in your secondary by trading Bradbury shows a long-term building project. And here's where I was going to introduce that. If, I, if I'm a team like the Seattle Seahawks and I know the Seattle's, you know, injured, they don't have uh, Russ cooking right now and stuff. But if I'm a team like that and I want to build for the future and I want to build for not only finishing this year strong, but next year trading for a Bradbury Ingram combination makes sense there because they have a team, an offensive scheme that fits what Evan Ingram does and their defensive scheme would fit Bradbury very well. A combination of those two players to a team could fix a lot of problems for the stretch run for some of these teams. I think there's teams out there that really could benefit from, you know, gaining a Bradbury and an Ingram 
and then uh, figuring it out in the offseason with their salaries and everything. That was the combination I was going to say that so, I think is very valuable to some of these teams out there. So, so you've gone that far, Bradbury and Ingram to Seattle. What's the return? What, what, would, be, what would be enough to make the Giants do that? Well, I think if, again, it's a Seattle team with they're looking like they're going to finish, you know, kind of in the 20th, 25th, even maybe even up into or the 15s, right? 15 to 25 range in the picks. You can ask for a third round pick and a fourth round pick or a third and a fifth or a third and a sixth. Um, as long as you get that third and it's going to be, a, you know, top half of the third. If you're looking at a later team, maybe a playoff hunt team that I think this will put them on over the hump that maybe has some injuries uh, in those positions right now, you know, you might get a late second round pick for the combination and a six. So you might get a two and a six for that combination if it's later. If it's earlier, you're probably looking at a maybe a three and a five if, 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 if they're really valuing it or a three and a six. Interesting. On their own, I can't really see maybe Bradbury getting, you know, bringing back a day two pick. But on their own, I can't see Ingram bringing back anything earlier than a day three pick. Can you? No, I don't think so. I think Ingram is, again, he's too injury prone. He's too pre banana. You know, I, I hear in the locker room he's fine. But just, you know, not you can't bank on him playing each and every week when he does. He gives you a, a, a stellar weapon, but when he doesn't, you know you're 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 out in the you're out in the cold. So, and the only other player on the roster I can think of who might have some value is really, or at least let me put it this way: whose name that I hear once in a while is Darius Slayton. I think yeah, I've seen Sterling Shepard's name thrown around a little bit, maybe, but. But I, I don't see that. I think the Giants would like to keep Shepard, would like to keep a guy who, who's been a good Giant, who's still a really good player. But I wonder if Darius Slayton, if the Giants can ever get Kenny Galladay healthy and can ever get Kadarius Toney healthy and can ever you know, get Shepard on the field and they still have John Ross, you know, who is a speed guy, but, you know, maybe not a whole lot more than that, a guy that you really can't depend on. But in some ways, is Slayton kind of an odd man out if they're ever all healthy? And, and could he be a guy they might be able to get something for? Well, I, see, I think you're saying it right there, if they're all healthy. I mean, that's, that's the key. That's what's going to save people's jobs right now on the Giants is that folks aren't healthy. You know, if this team was 100% healthy and they had the record they have, I mean, I think there would be guys getting, you know, get coaches being frank, maybe at the bye would be getting let go. Um, this team has talent laced through it. The offensive line is not a place they have talent, but the rest of the roster has a lot of talent, you know, lined up through it. So Slayton, I think, keeps his job and stays here because – it, you know, the health of the receivers is just hit or miss. You don't know who's playing each and every week, which hurts Daniel's, per, you know, ability to produce. And I don't care what anybody's going to say about it. It's like when you're a quarterback and you got a rhythm with your receivers, like when Montana had Rice and Taylor and uh, Dwight Clark and, you know, these guys, he could find a rhythm. He knew it, when, you know, 
same thing over in Kansas City this year. We're seeing they don't have a rhythm because you got people getting rested in practice. You got injuries. When Daniel doesn't have his guys there at practice each and every day, he can't trust they're going to be in certain spots. It hurts him. And a guy like Slayton, if everybody, if Galladay was healthy, Shepard was healthy, Tony was healthy, you know, uh, Pettis and all those guys were there. Slayton, I might agree with you, it would, would have a chance to go. But again, you're only getting a day three pick for him. I don't see a day two coming for Slayton. So at this point, I would rather keep him and um, and let this uh, offense and my young quarterback continue to work with uh, good receivers. David, since you mentioned Daniel Jones, my thought on Jones is, I think, pretty much, you know, corresponds to yours. I don't think Daniel Jones is the problem at all with the New York Giants. I think Daniel Jones is showing lots of signs of growth. I think he's done a lot of really good things this year. Actually did a lot of really good things going back to the middle of last season. Doesn't have the numbers to show for it. But I largely think that that's a function of what's been around him and and maybe hasn't been around him with all of the injuries. And I think that if if he hasn't proven that he's, you know, the Giants quarterback for for the next five years after this, I think he's proven that at the very least he's their quarterback next season. Just your thoughts on your thoughts on Jones. Again, I like Daniel. I think he's got a lot of skill. Does he need better ball security and learning how to slide? Yes. Those two things in the pocket when he's holding on to the ball needs to happen. When he's running the ball, he needs to learn how to slide. But the offensive line for the last two years has been pretty atrocious. Even in Eli's last season, the offensive line was not good, right? Eli was running for his life most of that season. It's something that really needs to be addressed. And when I was at the Giants, it was something we had a lot of pride in. We made sure we had offensive line there, take, taking care of Eli, taking care of the quarterbacks, and opening holes for Tiki and stuff. You know, without having your major uh, running back threat in Barkley on the field for, what, almost three years now, that takes a huge weapon, a big investment that the Giants have made in the running game off and out of the situation. So now they can drop back into coverage more and cause, you know, and you don't have much of a run threat. Now, that's not to deter from Booker. I think Booker's having a great season for what Booker can do, but he's not Barkley. I mean, you see the explosion, the cuts, the uh, jukes, all this stuff from Barkley when he's semi-healthy that causes mismatches from in the passing game, but also he can make the offensive line look better because the way he runs Barkley. So Jones and Barkley were supposed to be the tandem and uh, Shepard is kind of like your three-headed monster for the last three years, and they haven't all been on the field healthy together. So to go and hang this on Daniel Jones's shoulders all the time, which I hear so out of the New York media, I'm like, listen, learn learn the game of football a little bit before you come on and talk about it because that's super super hard to do is to have a quarterback just will you to win when your offensive line isn't good, your major running backs out and your receivers are always hurt. You don't have a constant, you know, consistency is key when you're looking for success. If you have a consistently healthy team, those teams are usually ones playing for the Super Bowl at the end of the year. Giants right now are just not healthy and they haven't been healthy for a few years. 
David, I want to take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors at SB Nation. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about the Monday night game. We'll talk about the state of the Giants uh, overall. And uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about, uh, about Dave Gettleman as well. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, Giants fans, we're back here on the Valentine's Views podcast. Ed Valentine with you talking with David Turner of Maverick Sports Consulting, former NFL scout, CFL executive, and we've been talking about the trade deadline, a little bit about the, the Giants uh, overall. David, I know I want to ask you this about Dave Gettleman. I know you worked with Dave for a couple of years. I know that uh, that you've known Dave you know, for, for a long time. I know that you consider him a bit of a mentor. Um, I hear people say, people talk about Dave's job security all the time because the Giants record, you know, as with Dave as GM simply hasn't been, you know, what anyone would like it to be. And I hear people say, oh, Gettleman shouldn't be allowed to do anything at the trade deadline because he'll do something stupid just to protect his job. You know, just to, he'll try to bring somebody in and he'll trade a bunch of draft picks just to try to win a couple games this year and protect his job. And, and what I know of Dave Gettleman is that that's the last thing in the world that Dave would do. Dave has said many, many times that he wants to leave the Giants organization in better shape than he found it whenever he leaves, that he wants to, you know, that, that whatever he does is in the best interests of the Giants organization. And it just, you know, from what you know of Dave, when you hear a comment like, like, the, like the one that I, that I mentioned, how, how, how ridiculous does that sound to you? It's absolutely absurd. Um, and again, show me where he's done it before. 
That's a Belichick line, right? Prove to me they've done that before. He didn't do it when he was a GM at the Carolina Panthers. He hasn't done it since he's been here. So show me that that mentality where he's he's worried about his job versus worried about the betterment of the organization. You know, Dave Gettleman instilled in all of us that have ever worked for him, you leave situations better than you find them. That's your job. Your job is to improve the organization. You can't tell yourself, I'm going to keep this job. You can't will yourself to not getting fired. That's all up to the ownership. You don't control that. Control what you can control, which is making the roster the best it can be for the coaches, the organization, and everybody involved. So, you know, show me where he's done that before. Otherwise, quit being an alarmist with him because that's just not who he is. Um, if he makes a move here at the deadline tomorrow, it's to make the organization better, and it's a move in which he's talked to ownership with, he's talked to the coaches about, and he's he's got a reasoning for it to make it work. Um and it might not be to finish this year strong, or it might be like when they when they got uh, Leonard Williams, I was like, what's going on here? It didn't really make sense. But then they, you know, had the de- the defensive philosophy switching to the 34. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I see what's going on. I got it. It's making a lot more sense because he really is that kind of a player that can come in and play in that position that they need. Got it. Here we go. And, um, you know, making Leonard such a staple and, and cornerstone of this defense has been to me, if you, you see, it's a very smart play. I think they need to improve in their middle linebackers and their offensive line. But if they do that, this team is really close to turning the corner um, and being a, a very impressive roster. And there's there's players all throughout this roster. Um, if Dave walks away this year, that's on Dave's note. I don't think the ownership is going to look at the roster. The Maris, John Mara, Chris Mara, everybody who's involved there, Mr. Tish have to look at it and be like, this roster has talent. The injuries are what killing this roster. And that that is, a, you know, that's the Achilles heels of all rosters is injuries. My, my two cents on this is if the Giants finish this year, and obviously we know John Mara said it was time for the Giants to start winning games. And, and I don't think anybody looked at the roster and said, oh, it's a 12-win roster. But I think that you could have looked at the roster and said, you know, getting to nine wins, maybe 10 wins if things go well, is a possibility. Being competitive for a playoff spot is a possibility. And, and right now, obviously, it hasn't worked out. And I think that if you're, if you're Giants ownership and you get to the end of this year and you've won five games again, you've won six games again, you can you can quote unquote give the fan base its pound of flesh and, and move on from Dave. But but I think as as you said, you can also look at it and say, well, the Giants had a plan at wide receiver. We never actually got to see it because of Kenny Galladay being hurt all the time and Kadarius being hurt all the time and Sterling Shepard. We know is always in and out of the lineup. And they had a plan on the offensive line, which we know doesn't have enough talent on it, but we never got to see whether that plan, which yes, it was a gamble because of all of these guys being unproven, but we never got to see if it was going to work because all of these guys are hurt. So I think you can say on the flip side of it is we never actually got to see if the team that, that Dave and Joe planned to put together 
would actually work. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, for me, it's a 50, 50 thing on Dave's future. I don't know how you see it. Well, again, I'm not, I'm not one again, 18 years, almost 19 years now in the, in the business. I'm not one to give the fans anything but wins. You want flesh, go somewhere else. You want wins, trust that what we're doing is going to win. Because when we put W's up, everybody's happy. Doesn't matter, you know. And in the offseason, it's not a place to make fans happy. It's main, It's a place to make them excited about the next roster. So you in free agency and then in the draft and everything, make them excited what's going to training camp and make them excited what's coming out of there. Give them hope that you're going to build a team and which is going to compete for championships. This year alone, the injuries have stifled the potential of this organization and this team. But in addition to that, I have to look further. I really do. I have to look at the strength coaching and I have to look at the coaching overall because I've watched every single giants game and I've watched every single play, every snap. And the coaching to me is awful this year. The coaching to me is not up to snuff. The coaching to me like on offense, you have Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram, and you're not more you're not using more 12 personnel and 22 personnel, especially when you have a guy like Penny who can run the ball and Booker who you can flex out and he can catch the ball. Like there's so many ways to move that offensive skill positions around, though you do have injuries that you could create mismatches with Booker on a linebacker to catch a ball. You got Penny that can run downhill. Again, you can split Ingram out, who's like a big receiver. Rudolph, who, again, he's catching 98% of the targets. Um, utilize him more, but each and every play, every every week, he's only getting two or three targets. It's ridiculous. Um, and then you go on defense. They're not aggressive. They're using that, you know, hovering, bend, don't break, giving, play, giving uh, offenses 12 play drives and they score, which keeps your offense off the field. I mean, look at their play drive uh, synopsis. Most of the, the scoring drives that come on the Giants are between eight and 13 plays. I mean, if you're not off the field in eight plays, you're not an NFL defense. Like, I'll give you a first, give them a first down. Cool. They get paid to play too. Got it. But I mean, once you get to play seven and they're, and they're still running on you and they're still driving on you, just sell out, blitz, go get them. Like, just, just like, excuse the terms, but nut up and go get them. Like take the chains off the dogs and let's go. Um, you know, you can't just always sit back and bend, don't break type mentality because it keeps your offense off the field and you need to give Daniel and the offense as many touches as possible. It's, this is a possession game that the football has turned away from the standard 70, you know, 65 plays that I, when I came in the league, most play most offenses ran 55, 60 plays. Now they're at 70, 80 plays. You know, if you're not giving your quarterback enough possessions, you're you're not doing your job on defense. And Joe Judge, again, he's supposed to be a special teams guru. And we saw two games ago where there was a guy, you know, um, flexed out, not even being covered on a on a punt. And if our if our return guy didn't see it and fly up and make an incredible play, then you know it would have been it would have been over. Like they would have got a first down on that and stuff. And there's other special teams plays this year that just haven't been up to snuff. I'm sorry if you, if Giants fans are going to come at me and think I'm protecting Gettleman, but I'm not, I'm doing an honest evaluation of this roster. Did Gettleman do enough on the offensive line? No. You know, I really feel there should have been a draft pick new draft pick on that offensive line this year. 
and and that didn't happen. He missed an opportunity there. On you know when they were cutting the roster, they let uh, Jackson Barton uh, go to practice squad, and then the Raiders signed him off the practice squad. As a left tackle, that was showing promise in preseason. Should have left him on the regular roster and protected him. There's been mistakes in my eyes that have happened on personnel, but not ones that are, are egregious as the coaching, especially the offensive coaching that that's happening right now on this team and to continually run Daniel Jones and pass balls to Daniel Jones. Like he's your best weapon. Like, you know, he's coming off a concussion and you're still running him and you're still throwing the ball and you got Booker Penny, you got weapons in the backfield. Like, what are we doing? I mean, you're already without Shaq Barkley. And if you, if you have Mike Glennon playing, you're really giving up on this season. You need Daniel to consistently be in that backfield and throwing the football or you're done and you constantly run him on routes and you constantly are running him uh, design quarterback runs, like knock it off. You yeah, got enough it, weapons around you. It, it's interesting because I agree with you that, that I also have some, some problems with the coaching this year. I'm not as, I'm not as upset about the, the quarterback run stuff maybe as you are, I think the the tricky part with Daniel Jones using him as a runner is, yes, he's effective. Yes, he's got speed. He's got ability to be a runner. But what he doesn't have is the thing that Kyler Murray has, the thing that Lamar Jackson has, which is the ability to to not take a hit. You know, nobody ever hits Kyler Murray hard. Um you know, nobody gets a lot of real shots at Lamar Jackson. They seem to have that 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 slipperiness, that that ability to get down, that ability to protect themselves. And Daniel doesn't seem to have that. But, you know, but the point that you're making about the coaching overall this year, I would generally agree with. I I was at most of training camp. And I understand that Kenny Galladay was 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 not healthy for a while, and I understand that they were hoping Shane Lemieux would get healthy, and that that Kadarius Tony had whatever Kadarius Tony had going on, and and they were really careful bringing Saquon Barkley back. But I don't. Joe didn't run a country club because Joe does not run a country club. But I really thought week one for the simple reason that a lot of their guys didn't get on the field much at all in training camp in the preseason, I did not think they were ready to play week one. I did not think that football team was prepared week one, and and that goes back to the coaching staff. Weeks two and three, you know, against Washington, you had the the bad mistake by, by Dexter Lawrence on the field goal. You, you had a drop touchdown pass. You had, you know, against Atlanta, you had a dropped interception. But in 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 both of those games, you also, to my mind, had some really curious coaching decisions, had some lack of aggression on fourth down. Those things come back to Joe. The other thing that I think you're right about largely is usage of some of this offensive personnel, like the tight ends, like the running backs, usage of some of these defensive players. I don't understand more or less changing the way that that you're playing defense from a year ago 
you know, one of the things that Leonard Williams did really well a year ago was move from side to side, right to left. Some, a lot of snaps at the nose, you know, move, moving all around. You look at, you look at it this year and he's almost always stationed in the same spot. I don't understand calling a defense where you can line up Jabril Peppers and put him in one-on-one against Cooper cup. So so I don't understand some of the, the in-game decision-making that Joe has made. And I also don't understand, you know, like you, I mean, we may have different examples, but I don't understand some of the usage of personnel this year at all. I just don't get it. No, I'm I, I, on defense. As soon as Martinez got hurt, I thought they were sunk because what Graham likes to do is have his lineman, D lineman, tie up and in the middle and then spill the running backs to the outside where Martinez can like then loom behind the, the, the traffic and the trash and work his way through it and make tackles out on the edges. It, it's not a downhill like uh, linebacker style where they're aggressively attacking the line. You know, it's more let the offense or the defensive line tie up the linemen, control the inside run game and spill everything outside. And that's where the edge, the edge guys have to fill and, and chase down running backs. But we saw against Dallas, right? That's what shoot them up because they don't have linebackers that are able to get over top and make a lot of tackles right now. So the defensive philosophy to me has to change and you have to start using your edge guys uh, to set strong edges and then force them back into the linebackers. That's not happening. That's not happening. They're still trying to spill them out night against uh, Kansas City. They're going to be rude awakened because those guys love that outside stretch and outside zone stuff, and that will chew them up, and they'll have 200 yards rushing on them tonight. Um, for me, I, I, I do not like the offensive play calling. I know Jason very well. I've known his brother since we were in Miami together, Judd, and I've known Jason. I've been to their father's house, and I love them but I don't understand what's going on right now, this offensive scheme and play calling, because it's not the philosophy that I grew up knowing the Garrett's to use vertical stretch, middle of the field, using tight ends, using the seam routes for receivers, easy throws for quarterbacks to move the sticks and chains is the way this offense should run with a strong running game screen game using your your receivers and your running backs to get good screens going that's the way this offense is built to run a lot of the play calling with these fade back shoulder passes and things i don't understand it it's not the way this offense was designed it's not the philosophy i understood it to be so you know for me i don't get it um when it comes to the defense graham at the end of last year the last six games this defense was balling I mean, it was just balling, and I was, like, super impressed with his play calling. They were blitzing more. They were bringing players. They were doing stuff. He, I believe it's because he had more confidence in his back end last year. He had Martinez on the field calling stuff and doing things in the middle, and right now he's lack of confidence in who he has playing is limiting his play calling, which, again, you have to be able to coach these guys up and get them to play to the level you need them to play. That's exact. You can't change your defensive philosophy you have to keep pushing these guys to get better at that philosophy. You got to keep teaching them and getting them better. Otherwise you're just going to limit your ability to win. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the thing of it is 
what I would ask you is this, it's, you know, it's, it's two and five again, it's a stretch here where you've got in the next three games, you've got Kansas city tonight, a couple of weeks down the road, you've got the Buccaneers. So it's, I mean, it's looking like it could be really, really ugly. Do you see at all? I mean, do you see progress at least in the roster, at least in the talent level? Do you see reason why, you know, with what they have at least, why they can turn this around? And maybe if not, if not this year, uh, maybe a year from now, you know, be a, a truly competitive football team. I, look at their division. The only one with a winning record is Dallas. If I'm wrong, you know, let me know. But everybody else is losing. So it's not like they're in a juggernaut division right now. So they can be competitive inside their own division really easily if they just get more aggressive on defense, roll up the coverage, get some zero going, and, you know, live and die by the blitz and just say you're not going to, you know what, you're not going to beat us. Uh, here today you're not going to cross this line we're going to you know man up and make it hard for you and we're going to get our offensive more touch um, on offense your offensive line has to protect the quarterback but that also comes down to play calling instead of Jason only protecting with five or using the running backs to protect use the tight ends keep keep a tight end in Keep a back and a tight end. Protect with seven. You know what? Run three-man routes, three-man combination routes. It works for a lot of teams, and it keeps your quarterback upright, and it keeps him being able to throw from a clean pocket and nobody around his feet. You know, I'm not saying do that every time you throw, but once in a while, give your offensive line some help by keeping people in and helping them, you know, get in there. Call easy protections, nice slide 70s and backside pickups for the running backs where they don't have to read, you know, from a middle linebacker out. It's just a slide and they know they're picking up the back end guy. I mean, stuff like that makes makes their lives easier. And you can, you know what, Booker, Penny, Gillespie, uh, I think that's his name, Brightwell, they can all figure that out. You know, keep it simple. It's the whole kiss method, right? Keep it simple, stupid. And then and then go out there and just run the plays more effectively and better than the other people. You know, you got to help Matt pair it out. If he's really going to be your left tackle for right now, I mean, I don't like him at all. I bash him all the time. I call him the cream puff. But if he's going to be your guy out there, you got to help him. You got to put Caden Smith over there with him. You got to, you know, you know, do something to help this kid out. Because if all, you know, if every time Daniel Jones gets to that three-step drop or five-step drop and then he has to hitch up or move in the pocket or escape and he can't get a proper read on the defense, it doesn't matter what the receivers are running because it just becomes a basketball fast break when the quarterback can't sit in the pocket and deliver the ball with a clean area around his feet. All right. Hey, final question for you. Giants face the Chiefs tonight. We know that, you know, the Giants two and five, Chiefs three and four. Everybody talks about the, quote, struggling Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they're they're obviously not record-wise where they would like to be after uh, winning the Super Bowl in 2019, getting back to the Super Bowl a year ago. But obviously, they're still the Kansas City Chiefs. They're still at home. You know, they're still 
a team led by Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and and all of those those weapons on offense. Your thoughts on tonight's game and, and whether the Giants have a chance here to, to pull off an upset or, or whether this could get ugly. If they're going to pull off what we're calling an upset, um, you know, the the Kansas City offensive line is not the best in the league. And that's where their that's where their Achilles heel is right now. So the defense is definitely going to have to press the tackles and make, make Mahomes move his feet. He has one interception from inside the pocket. I think he has seven on the season or eight. The other ones are all from outside the pocket. So you got to get him moving. Whereas years past, Mahomes was able to be able to out get outside the pocket and make you and make incredible throws. And that causes you to try to keep him in the pocket. But no, this year it's being proven. Get him out. He's making bad decisions on the run and on the move. Um, and the tackles that on the offensive line are really something bad. Without, you know, again, they don't have they're walking in, they don't have all their their weapons on offense for Mahomes. So I, I would say this is a perfect situation for the Giants to make a, a statement game and be able to go out there and um, really, really make an impressive win tonight. They have an opportunity. Defensive-wise, again, run the football down their throat. The, these guys, the Chiefs, are not stopping the run. This is a, this is a team that they can run on, establish play-action pass for Daniel Jones, give them an opportunity. If they come out and they start throwing the ball all over and being willy-nilly, and when they get in the red zone, they're throwing the ball everywhere instead of running it down their throat, look to the coaching. That's terrible because this is a night where the Giants should have 35 runs, like literally 35 runs, downhill runs. Let's get it going. Let's be physical. Help your offensive line out to just move people. And then, you know, be sound on special teams because that's the area Kansas City can flip the field really quick. They got some burners. They got some returners. They got some guys that can really make uh, an impact for this game tonight. If you don't have sound special teams, that might be the difference where the Giants lose and the, and the wheels fall off for them. All right. Hey, we'll see how it works out tonight. David, thank you very, very much for spending some time with me. Why don't you uh, let folks know, you know, where they can find your work, a little bit about Maverick Sports Consulting and, and all of that. Thank you. I appreciate it. So Maverick Sports Consulting was created in 2015 to help young men and women learn how to go through the recruiting and interview process for not only pro sports, if you're trying to graduate college and get ready to separate yourself in the business market, but also high school sports to help you get into the recruiting market, you know, with all the COVID uh, adjustments to scholarships, they're very hard to find these days, full scholarships and partials are rare um, because of uh, what's going on with all the added years of uh, the NC2A gave everybody. But more importantly, if, if you're just somebody looking to maximize your interview process or your current job situation, I coach you up and give you an opportunity to do that. You can find us on Mav Sports Take each and every week. It's my own podcast I do with Ryan Roberts. We talk about the business of sports and we bring uh, guests on from all over, from Tom Pelissero to Steve Weish to many people in the business and industries and league, in, uh, league insiders to talk about what's really going on with decision making and the process of being in professional sports. So if you're interested in that, please download Map Sports Take. And if you want some help in your current job, your situation, or getting a better one, just go to maverick sports and sign up today. 
All right, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Please remember, stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.